Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. We're back. Yeah, we're back, and we are Barbie Oppenheimered up. Barbara and Heimered up. Bar- Bar- Oppen- Barbie. Oh, did you see it? I have not. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's what we're talking I, about. I, yeah, I may be the only person who has. I feel fairly certain I'm the only person of our cadre. Based on the yeah, based on the box office returns, you may want to be one of the few people in America who not. Yeah, here. and I would like to. It just it yeah. didn't happen this week. Yeah, I went to an opening night as we record was last night. I went um, and caught a late show of Oppenheimer and got up early this morning to catch Barbie. So I didn't get to see them both on the same day just because, you know, people have to work and stuff. <laughs> but uh, but I did see them literally within a 12-hour period. And I know she couldn't be here today, but I know Hannah was just seeing it today as well. And I think she actually did get them both in. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. Yeah, um, Monica's not seen it. It's there. I will say, as a preview, it's an experience. I think they're both worth seeing. Personally, I liked Barbie better. I honestly think they both belong in the best picture conversation. Um, okay. I think Barbie, like Barbie, is going to be a hard sell because people are going to people who haven't seen it are going to be like, yeah, it's not a movie for the best picture. But if you see it, kind of is. And it, based on the returns, I think a lot of people are seeing it. I will say, performance-wise, in Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, they all came to work. These are actors who all three of them belong in the Oscar nomination conversation for next year. Presuming there are Oscars, you know, what with the way Hollywood's on pause right now. <laughs> but Which is something else we need to talk about coming up, but not today. And as far as the Barbie movie goes, Margot Robbie worked and Ryan Gosling did. It's not necessarily his best role, but like they they both brought a lot to what is obviously a very stupid idea. Like the, <laughs> like conceptually, they're like, hey, this would be a really easy movie to just take the day off on. They did not. America Ferrara probably gives one of the strongest like as far as she's got a monologue in this movie. That is an actor's monologue. This is like a this is like a one of those monologues that is the kinds of things that you build a best supporting actress role on. We'll see more because I'm sure we will talk about this in the future once you yeah. guys get once Hannah and Monica are around. But it's a good movie. It's a, it's worth seeing. Oppenheimer's worth seeing. I happen to be slightly in the Barbie over Oppenheimer camp, but only slightly. I, I, Oppenheimer's by no means bad. My my main negative concern with it is, oh my god, is it a heavy movie about genocide and anti-Semitism? And... Which, which is what I was expecting from Barbie. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, not what we're here for today. We're here today because you picked the category. Yeah, I so this is something I'd been noticing in my my viewing anyway, but it's firmed up a couple weeks ago when we did our Indiana Jones episode. I just I feel like I've been noticing a lot of old characters showing up in media I'm watching. And it's not there haven't been movies and TV series and whatnot to focus on old characters before, but I felt like I was seeing something different. Very is part of it because you're getting older? Or so I, I, no, I, yeah, quite honestly, yeah, no, I absolutely think that that's a part of it. I think that's part of what drew my attention is, uh, in the case of Indiana Jones, it's not just that, hey, here's a movie about an old guy. It's a movie about a guy that we've seen become an old guy. Like, we have watched Harrison Ford in this role since... What was that, 1980? You think I'd know that off the top of my head. 81. So we, 
So, yeah, so we have watched the character age in this role. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very specific thing as opposed to just here's a movie with an old character starring in it. And same thing, like we, we saw Luke Skywalker in the most recent Star Wars movie. Yeah, Picard on, on the Star Trek show. And very much the theme of, of so much of this is, hey, we're aging. Mm-hmm. And in, in my blog I posted, there there have been movies in the past, and the two I referenced in the blog were Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven and John Wayne's final movie, The Shootist, which are both very much about these are aging cowboy heroes, Western heroes, who they are old and they're not as fast on the draw as they used to be and all that stuff. And that's very much the theme of the movie. But those were one-off characters. We had never seen those characters before. Now, John Wayne is John Wayne, so it was an amalgamation of every character he'd ever played. And Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood, who has gone on to make a career of being Get Off My Lawn, I'm an Old Fucking Man movie. Real life of that. And a real life of that as well. (laughs) But with Indiana Jones, with Picard, with Luke Skywalker, I saw Luke Skywalker in a movie theater when I was 16 years old. Sure. And And then I saw him in a movie theater when I was 58 years old, or whatever the math works out to be. Watching those, seeing not only a return of these characters, but seeing them portrayed by the same actor. I think there's something going on there that's worth talking about. Fair enough. I think so, too. So you brought a guest. Yeah. Yeah. And a surprise of this. Is, uh, once again, went, sent the bots out trying to find the most appropriate guest for this, trying to bring people in, searching the world. And uh, Marcel, who I live with, has been on the show like 40 times, is here with us tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was watch me age for the last 15 years. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I think this is, <laughs> yeah, I think we're living proof of what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. Just to talk about this. So that, those are, I, you know, as we get into the topic and we'll talk about, those aren't the only characters since right. we, we brought this topic up with thought of a lot of different ones, but I want to talk about some of the themes that, that those kind of things can bring up. What I see is, as similar among these, some of these characters I've talked about, but I also just want to explore how that's different. Some of it is just we have franchise movies in the way that didn't exist 50 years ago. There are exceptions, certainly, but the fact that Mark Hamill is still out there and they can still give him money to play Luke Skywalker, for now, that's how it works. Yeah, Mark Hamill, every time they ask him to come back, he's like, I'm very old, but I do like money. Because, you know, Carter <laughs> with Harrison Ford, so how do I have to be Han Solo? Yeah. Have to. Can, can, can you, you kill please, me? Can you please kill me? Harrison Hort has been begging to be killed out of that role for 30 something years. And then <laughs> Hamill's, oh, but m- money is good. I do enjoy money. <laughs> sure. Why don't so I why, come back? And also the uh, current Secret Invasion series, we're seeing that with Nick Fury playing with those same kind of themes. Now, we haven't seen Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury for quite as long as the other characters. It's been 14 years, though. It's, it, but it's been 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the theme 15. is still there. Yeah. 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 And some of the themes I'm seeing is, uh, oh, my God, my back hurts. Like These people who were once <laughs> action heroes. We joked about Indiana Jones punching Nazis on the last show, and, and he did a lot of that. And he did some of that in the new movie. But he also, there were a lot of scenes where he was just being manhandled and had no hope of fighting his way out of it. And that's something mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have happened 40 years ago. So I, I think just there is this commentary on aging. I think with him, with Card, with Fury, and certainly with Luke Skywalker, we are seeing that element of regret that we see these people who 40 years ago, they were the heroes and they had their entire life in front of them and all of this brash, brashness of youth. 
And now that they're old men, they realize that they've made mistakes and things didn't work out the way they wanted them to. and They have regrets. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the movies deal with those issues, which I think is very specific issues of aging. So that that's what I'm seeing happening there. Somebody <laughs> else say something about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm in agreement. It's noticeable to me yeah. in a way that it's never been noticeable before. It's like a confluence of things we're talking about. It's having characters that have long standing in popular culture have long arcs. Like I think unexpectedly long arcs in a lot of these cases where oftentimes we thought we saw the last of them, but then they trotted them back out for whatever reason, creative reasons, fiscal reasons, both just general public interest. Like the public's interest doesn't wane. So they are given more. And we have the opportunity to see that character portrayed by the same actors, given our most recent examples, given Indiana Jones, because, you know, that movie was just out. It's still out. 42 years. That's a long time. That's a long time between movies for us to still have a viable story with that same character. Because many, I think many popular characters, you could imagine that they lived to be an old age. But, but, I, but would you consider them having had an interesting story to tell to a gen, like to the mass audience that like fell in love with them earlier on, but at the twilight of their lives to, so to get them to get movies like this and TV shows to get narratives like this out of characters so far along in their lives. I feel like that's relatively new. It's not without precedence, but I feel like it's new as a, where old people and the experiences of older people can be tapped for broader entertainment like this. And I, one of the questions I had, just the way things go through cycles, the way things get created, we were living in an era, thanks to the baby boom, where we have more older people in this country than ever before. Just purely mm-hmm. statistically, there are more older people in the country. Is the content being made to speak to that? Is the content still being made by those people who are still working in, in, in the industry? Although most of the boomers should definitely be age, Or is it just that is so much a part of our experience? There's a lot of old people around. We're more aware of it than we used to be. And vibrant old people. They're not all just an old folks home. Mm-hmm. Because of better health care and all that stuff, we have more vibrant old people than we did a lot of years ago. So I wonder if just these issues are coming up in our media just because we're surrounded by it. It's something that, that writers, filmmakers, whatever, feel a need to comment on because we're surrounded by it in a way that hadn't happened same way previously. I think also when you look at, and I'm just right now focusing on Indiana Jones because he's mm-hmm. it's easy to do so. When that character debuted, a large segment of the audience that saw him and that, that made that character made this deep impression on were younger, like myself. And because when the that first movie came out, that was 1981. So I was 10, 11 years old. It was, I don't remember exactly when this happened, sometime maybe 10 or so years ago, at some point I had a more of a conscious realization that the people in the entertainment industry that were calling the shots, like across the board, television, film, music, whatever, were my age. And that was revelatory (laughs) for me to really take into consideration. So like these things that I was seeing being made were being produced and brought into being by essentially my age peers, people in my age cohort. Mm -hmm. So a character like Indiana Jones goes from having been produced by the generation before us, by boomers, Mm -hmm. to Gen X and so on. And the torch got passed 
So we've got to, it's, of course, we're going to, if those, and if the actors who brought those characters to life and the creatives for that matter, because with the Indiana Jones franchise, it wasn't until this movie that we got a different director and we still got John Williams making the music. So it's like, we're reaching out to the same resources when possible to bring us that material. But we have to think it's, I think we have to think about age because the audience, we're not kids anymore. So Mm -hmm. the people producing it and the people consuming it, we're not kids. And we can't reasonably expect the same kinds of entertainment that we got when we were kids. I guess you can expect it, but you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And then, and that certainly happened. Rereading through my feed of people my age and the react mixed reactions to indie. Mm-hmm. And some of it was the whole, you're not 12 anymore. You're not going to react right. the same way. So that, yeah, that's always an issue for sort of thing. But I think we, we should definitely talk on the other characters come up with. But in, in my blog, I mentioned that you have seen this. It's different in, I think, film media just because of the actors. We've seen some of this. I mentioned in comics, mm-hmm. Marvel did the Old Man Logan, which turned into a franchise. They then did Old Man Hawkeye and Old Man Star-Lord and mm-hmm. Old, Old Man Black Widow or whatever. And they did some of that. The movie Logan followed mm-hmm. through on some of those ideas. It certainly wasn't an adaptation of Old Man Logan, but it dealt with him as an older character. So we saw right. some of that. With him. And novels have always done that. We yeah. have, like, uh, Hannah, who couldn't be here today, she pointed out that there are several characters. But, like, I mean, the easiest one is probably Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes absolutely ages throughout his several novels. And there is a there's a definite order. But I think the or Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And there, there's some franchises, the, Re, the Reacher franchise that I've read, Lee Child books, and uh, Michael Connelly's Hieronymus Bosch series. Bosch mm-hmm. has been being published since the early 90s. And in that series, he I just read the most recent one fairly recently, and he's in his 70s. Mm-hmm. And they're dealing with the issues of my back hurts. It's right. like, that's definitely part of the theme. But then those, but, those things don't have to. Like those, right. things, those characters are aging because they've made a conscious choice to say, we want to cover this character getting older, as opposed to in the films where it's just time happened. And if we want to use Harrison Ford, then Indy has to be an old man now, barring CGI. Like right. he's, that's, just how, that's just the world we live in. Time happened. And, and, talk I, and about I, Luke Skywalker, like Luke Skywalker, I there was a lot of people who hated how he was portrayed in the sequel trilogy because they mm-hmm. wanted the guy they the what it really came down to was when Star Wars ended or at least when we thought Star Wars ended when Jedi came out and we thought we're never going to see these characters again we can just read these characters and so there was an expanded universe and people got to keep Luke Skywalker in their hearts and they saw this universe traversing massive superhero who could do anything and those books never went away and they went on for decades and decades. And then Disney gets a hold of it and they're like, we're going to make more movies. So we're rebooting the universe, which pissed people off. But what really pissed people off is when they saw him come back, this was not the warlord Luke Skywalker with his wife, Mara Jade. Right. The grand right. hero, Luke Skywalker. No, no, this was an old dude because time happened and Mark Hamill's an old mm-hmm. dude now. And, and that's and, what, they, what they decided to make it. Yeah. And he had some failures. And yeah, you, mm-hmm. it's not just all is right with the world. Because life moves on yeah. and it gets complex and yeah. We didn't have a pristine Luke Skywalker. But we, we didn't get the happily ever after that people want. And he, but it's weird because what we're seeing is we're seeing people who have grown up in a franchise world of film mm-hmm. it, dealing with their own mortality. As, a, as opposed to if you want to age a Sherlock Holmes, if you want to age a Dorothy Gale in the Oz books, these are characters that don't have to age, but that I'm choosing to age. 
if you want to age a old man Logan in a comic, sure, Wolverine is old and old man Logan, but at the same time, we're publishing Young Adventures because we just draw him with white hair or not, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how hard it is. Let's add a couple of wrinkles. Done. Same thing happens with the uh, classically Conan the Barbarian comic and a novel. Halt. You can do, you can hop around the timeline wherever you want, but every time we want to make a movie with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, essentially time has... Except for those two that we did out of order. The first two, mm-hmm. one is a prequel because they were made two years apart. But right. since that time, he just visibly ages. So that's what we did. He just we're moving forward in time now because because he's no longer 30. <laughs> and that's he look he, or he can't pass for 30 anymore. He he's got yeah. to be in his he's gotta be an 80-year-old man because my God, is he so obviously an 80-year-old man? Yeah. I did want to bring up just because it's with the exception of me mentioning Dorothy Gale briefly and the non-screen hair characters, this came up a lot when we were working on the blog, and you even said it, I think you said it briefly this episode already, it's a little tricky and hard to come up with women characters. Yeah, hard I said that. General sexism. But yeah. we come up with some sense then, but like... Yeah, it is. and I said that in the blog, and to be fair, I wrote that blog in half an hour, and mm-hmm. I wanted to address it, but nothing came to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. So I think I ended my paragraph about that with, this is worth talking about. So we're at the, it's worth talking about portion of the show i, I mm-hmm. certainly had no intention of dismissing it but to me the, these ones that we've been talking about indy and luke and whatever seem so bloody obvious and we can say that there are female characters certainly in card the rest of the cast were in that final season we mm-hmm. saw troy we saw crusher so we saw the female characters as older characters mm-hmm. in the Star Wars, we saw leia as much as luke even though Carrie Fisher ends up dying in the middle of one of the production. So Carrie Fisher is definitely present for the first two films of the new season. Mm-hmm. And then her character is present through cutscenes and CGI mm-hmm. in the final film. But it is still, there's also the problem that for the most part, we are, we don't have as many female roles in Hollywood. Protect yeah, action yeah. franchises where this is going to happen. If you like, we, I, I will note that Jane Fonda has been playing the same role for 40 years in the same <laughs> way that, in the same way that John Wayne does, though, or Clint Eastwood does. She's got a character that she plays in different movies that has a name that changes, but the, mm-hmm. essentially the character Jane Fonda plays. So I think there's some of that, but like having a character that you hold on to on the franchise, I think Leia and Carrie Fisher was one, and we did come up with some others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you came up with Laurie Strode from Halloween. Yeah, the Halloween mm-hmm. stuff, which, what, you say it was 78 when she first appeared, and mm-hmm. Oliver Road, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was at the time, like, what, 18 or 19? And then she just appeared in Halloween Ends less than a year ago, last October. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a large gap. She was in, what, the first two movies, and then they made, like, 437 Halloween movies without mm-hmm. her, and then she came back for the last three. Mm-hmm. And that's very much, and there have been interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis about just aging. She talks about that that in these movies. She's an old lady. She's not about 18 year old Laurie Strode anymore. She's a cranky old woman who has gotten. She's a grandmother grandmother because in real life, she's a grandmother. And that's that's the way she wanted to play it. I think that puts her right in direct standing with Harrison Ford. Both of them have five movies to their credit. And that 20 year gap, there was basically a 20 year gap in between. Oh, Indiana yeah. Jones movie. So it's, it parallels very much. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Sarah Connor as an action hero kind of thing. And same thing. There's what, a 20, 25 year gap there or more. When did the when did she last appear in Terminator? 
along when, when did she last appear as portrayed so uh, as portrayed by linda hamilton yeah because because that was the sarah connor chronicles right TV show and and there's been a couple of failed reboots of terminator just yeah. like there, but to be fair there were failed reboots of halloween right with other with other uh, laurie strodes as well but linda hamilton appears as sarah connor in terminator which is 1994 and then terminator 2 is 1991 and then she doesn't appear here on screen as 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 the character again till 2019 yeah 2019 with dark fate however she is in a 2009 film salvation though she she only does narration she doesn't she does not appear okay. on screen but she does she she is there as the character she does voice the character but you know mm. she's so, done it four times yeah so there's a, but there's a 30 plus year gap from her first appearance to her more, more recent one Yes, yes. Like 35 years, yeah. Yeah. So I think she definitely counts. Uh, the other one that like that I wanted to highlight, and this is definitely talking talking with my wife as well, because my wife's a big fan of Law & Order SVU. Mm-hmm. And so in constant, appearing constantly on screen for the last 24 years, Mariska Hargitay has been playing Olivia Benson mm-hmm. on near but for leaving for like maternity leave when she was pregnant she's appeared on nearly every episode of that show yeah and and for for now there are other characters who have been on like ice t joins the show i think in season two or season three chris maloney's on at the beginning and then he leaves and he's back and though he mostly is on the spinoff show so there's other characters who have been on the show on and off a lot and and i see yeah she's been routinely on yeah And I, one of the things I find fascinating with that is that's different from Indy and these other characters is if you watch that show regularly, you have watched her age in real time. With mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, he's he's 35 and then he's 50 and then he's 80. Yeah. And with this, like just week to week, she's a week older. And she's, you, don't notice, she, and you yeah. don't notice it. Yeah. No, you don't notice as much. There's part of this, I think, is the way we treat women in general on screen. But also I think that it's just harder to notice because she's on every week. And, and like, Hannah mentioned a character from Grey's Anatomy. Meredith Grey. Meredith yeah. Grey, yeah. And who, same thing. Who just, yes, who just finished 20 seasons and the show's named after her and Ellen Papaya le- left this season. She's leaving the show. The show will go on. But, uh, but and, and I knew that was still on. I watched that when it started and fell off fairly quickly, like after a season or two. And on some level, I knew it was still on. Somehow I hadn't processed it. It had been 20 years. That, that's my own, I, not accepting my age. <laughs> I misstated. It's only been 19 seasons that, <laughs> that Ellen Pompeo has been playing Italian Meredith Grey. The, up, the upcoming season is season 20. And she is listed, I mean, like, presumably she will be on at least sometimes during it because like, she's listed as TBA, but she's leaving as a, she's leaving as a regular. She's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, pre- and precedence for the TV show thing. When Marcel and I were here talking earlier today, Gunsmoke, which was on right. TV for 20 years, and James Arness played Matt Dillon for that entire 20 years. And Marcel, you looked that up. In addition to the 20 regular seasons, there were five made-for-TV movies that appeared later on. Mm-hmm. So that extended their run, the main actors' run in their title characters or their main characters, James Arness who played Marshall Matt Dillon, when you go from when he debuted on television, and we use that iteration because the character preceded that because there was the radio show, but that was different actors. But when you start with that iteration, it began in 1955, 
And then he was in all five of those made for TV movies that extended his run from 55 to 1994. So that's 39 years playing that one character. Mm -hmm. And right behind him was Amanda Blake, who played Miss Kitty. And she also debuted in that role in 1955. And she was only in the first made for TV movies, but her run went in 1987 so that's 33 years and she only because she died yeah yeah and i think it's worth noting as well that like i I, because half of this discussion i think is about longevity and roles but the other half is you know what made this noticeable wasn't just actors portraying characters for a long time which is an accomplishment it is a big deal but when we actively get to see them dealing with aging because a lot of the time Mm -hmm. when we see characters in roles over a long period of time, the way the shows are produced or the stories that are being told, they they almost are portrayed in defiance of their age. So mm-hmm. they are other to us in our real lives. We, even though we see them getting older, getting more wrinkled, getting grayer, but we're tricked, I'll say, into believing that this is not just the same character, but they have the same, all the same qualities that they did when they were younger. But like some of these more recent narratives we're seeing are actively looking at these same characters but as old people or Mm -hmm. older people which i think is a slight difference and that's very definitely one of the things that drew my attention made me want to talk about this it's there's a thematic aspect of this aging and being older is very much a part of what these shows are about now it's not just about punching nazis it's i it's you know i'd punch nazis if i could stand up (laughs) <laughs> that's an exaggeration. That, that, that's a really bad in, in those two, in so in I would say in Indiana Jones and in Halloween, it is very much the story of I am not a kid anymore. I am mm-hmm. I, I have gotten too old for this shit. That is what that's where Laurie Strode oh. is. It's where Indiana Jones is. Very and, much. and I think we haven't mentioned yet, but I know Marcel was nice enough to put together a list of characters. I don't think that's the story with Spock on Star Trek. Because the character, so there's a little bit of it, particularly when he moves into the new timeline and he gets to meet his younger self. There's a little bit of acknowledgement of him not being as spry as the younger him. But for the most part, they are trying to tell the story for most of his appearances of because he's longer lived, he's outlived all of his friends. They're mm-hmm. doing a different thing with that character and they're trying to they're trying to yield him a bit of immortality that eventually does not work because Leonard Nimoy, the human man, dies. I think also Star Trek, Star Trek, the series, and then you could narrow that in to Spock, the character. Mm -hmm. Star Trek is a cerebral series at its core, really. And Spock is the most emblematic, I think, of cerebral characters. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about Spock's, I'm going to say his internal life, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just his physical, his physical vigor and youth, he matures in a lot of ways and it's a unique characterization because now we have another we've had two actors beyond Nimoy who have fleshed out aspects of Spock but if we just look at Leonard Nimoy's portrayal of the character that character there's definite character development there is definitely a younger Spock there's a younger mindset there's a younger way of interacting with the world there is more angst in younger Spock we get to older (laughs) Spock and he is a far more even not even towards the end, but like even by the time we get to the original installments of the Star Trek movie franchise. Mm-hmm. So the Star Trek, the motion picture and Star Trek two, even not even extend that out into Star Trek three, the search for Spock, where we get him back and 
<laughs> so that's like a 40 year spoiler alert, everybody, but Spock dies and comes back. <laughs> but it's that's it's still about youth and aging. And I there's scenes, there's specific th- themes that stick out, like in the motion picture. Spock is really he's really conflicted about even more than he had been before with reconciling his human and Vulcan has now by the time that movie ends that movie goes on for a bit I do Star Trek the motion picture I do I will I here's a little just a little personal anecdote so the first time I saw Star Trek the motion picture it came to network tv it was more broadcast on ABC I was really excited I was a Star Trek fan I was like I don't know 10 11 and I remember they showed that thing and with commercials inserted and with extra scenes for full time that movie struck me as so boring. I couldn't believe <laughs> it was started. I just remember, like, oh, my God, how is this movie this boring? You know what? And I was like I said, I was about 11 or 12, really. I watched it again on cable without commercials when I was about 18, 19 years old mm-hmm. and enjoyed it much more because I, too, had gotten older and sure. I was able to get much more out of a more mature narrative. And Spock, by the end of that movie. He has reconciled a lot. He is a different character in a lot of respect by the end of the motion picture, because when we get him again in the next movie, Wrath of Khan, Spock's together like he's he knows who and what he is. He's fine. Now, Kirk has some reconciling to do in Wrath of Khan. So that's his growing up movie. And I think vividly and I think this plays into our theme we're talking about. There's a scene where he needs reading glasses because he has some kind of allergy to whatever it is that they take at that time in the future that they don't need glasses. So he needs reading glasses. So there's a scene later on when they're doing all this stuff with Khan and he has to read something Mm -hmm. and he reluctantly in front of everybody has to pull out his reading glasses. And it's Kirk reconciling himself with aging. Shatner has to deal with that too. Those actors, they were clearly not what they were. 15, 16 years prior. Mm-hmm. And a, we, and we saw some of that with the entire original cast of Trek in the mm-hmm. movies. And we, as a species, we are all of us becoming more long-lived. We are here much longer than we were 50, 60 years ago. And there's the expectation of a longer life. I see obituaries for people who pass away in their 70s and the obituaries state things like, so oh, they died so soon. This was so unexpected. And <laughs> And in in our lifetimes, that's still a new thing. Like the yeah. idea that you can be in your seventies and some in dying is unexpected. I, it's a curiosity, and how we've extended that into these fictions with real people and what we expect them to be. And I think we're also more gentle now with our expectations of them. Like to come out of fiction for just a moment and talk about a real person, it's kind of a big deal when Bob Barker stopped dying his hair black. Oh yeah. <laughs> He just let it go silver and everybody's like, oh, yeah, because you're old enough. That would be the thing. He was still Bob Barker. He was still up there. 30 old man. <laughs> That's a whole other episode of podcast. <laughs> That's a whole new meaning to podcast. It, I think we are just more accepting with a lot of things. Like, it doesn't matter. Let's adapt the story to their changing status and their change in humanity. Let's just go with it, which I don't think that was viable before. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I, in general, I think as a culture, we are making some peace with this idea of, yeah, they age. Of course they age. We age. Why would they not age? <laughs> Does that mean well, we're getting smarter? I don't know. Yeah, there has been so much youth obsessed culture. And certainly when it comes to Hollywood, just that, that focus on young characters, and young actors. And I think that certainly has applied more to female actors than male actors. The roles start going away and 
that which is probably a whole different episode. Sure. But I, I wonder, if, like Marcel says, I wonder if we're coming out of that to a certain extent. And as I said, I wonder how much of that is being driven by the audience is older, the potential audience is older. That's who they're wanting to speak to. The people making the movies are older. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't know. I, it's a tricky thing. Because also I, what I'm seeing, and also I have our the list up and I'm looking at it, and I'm also looking at like the franchises these characters have come from. And I'm struck by how many of these characters come from genre franchises. Mm. And I think maybe some of this, what is making this stand out now is so many of these characters are coming from genres that in the sense that they are very action driven, there's a lot of, there's a lot of physicality to these modes of storytelling of narrative. They are, they are genres that aren't as kind to older people, but we're finding ways to make them fit, like mm-hmm. to still give them relevancy in these same genres. And I think that, that makes it all the more noticeable. And speaking of which, we, we mentioned Olivia Benson is portrayed by Mariska Hargitay. So what I think makes that character a little unique, and it speaks to the whole of this discussion as well. So Law and Order is a procedural. And as a procedural, stories are not driven by the character's personal lives. It's here's the character, mm-hmm. here's the situation they're dealing with week to week. Mm-hmm. We watch them deal with it. We get small peeks into their personal lives around that. But because that character has been around so long, there's enough there to really construct mm-hmm. what has happened in her real life versus pretty much every other character we, we do get to see some it elements changed. of their lives. I've watched the show, so I've yeah. seen all of them now because be here today i asked her and my wife wanted us to talk about it specifically my wife is a huge fan of the law and order franchise of for the most part all of them and so i have watched so much law and order because she is just very into it as a concept and they vary in the amount of personal lives that you get of the character and the amount of proceduralness of them. So the original Law and Order franchise order of episodes is almost entirely irrelevant. Like the cast changes from time to time because the actors swap in and swap out. But for the most part, within a season, there's little character building moments, but it barely matters. In SVU, and to a lesser extent in Criminal Intent, but definitely in SVU, there is definite progression. There are overarching arcs that kind of go throughout the series and throughout the season to where you will see their personal lives building, which I think SVU has a good balance of that, particularly with Olivia and with Ben and in later years with Rollins. So there are some characters that get more than others, but sure. you'll see Olivia has her struggle to adopt her kid and mm-hmm. raise him. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on that just to give that character something to do because they're our point of view reference character, she's got more of a personal life going on than other characters on the show. And then to look at it on the other end of the spectrum, if you go to their newest series, Law and Order Organized Crime, which is Christopher Maloney's show, it's a, it is a direct spinoff of SVU. It's, right. His personal life is more important than the case. It yeah, is, it is. It is very now he is. It's still a show about a cop, but it is very much about his life his relationship. Olivia is a supporting character on that show. Right. She's on it frequently, not on every episode, but she's on it a lot. And a key element of the show is what is Benson and Stabler's current relationship and the will they won't they 
relationship drama that a classic drama, a non-procedural drama would be built on is very much where that show's coming from. So I think what's weird about these shows is that since they're all in the same universe and they all cross over so much, it becomes weird. It becomes particularly weird. There was a crossover this season that went between all three of the currently being produced shows, which is The Return of Law and Order plus SVU plus Organized Crime. There was one case that went throughout all three shows this season. And it was very bizarre when you get to the original show episodes because we don't know anything about those characters on the level that we do on SVU and on Organized Crime. Like they don't have lives outside of work nearly as much. So it doesn't. So, so there were weirdnesses to their interaction that just came with the genre clash of Bluey in the shows. That's totally. I've watched, of all the Law and Orders, I've probably watched more of SVU than any others, if only because of. It's a length of time on the air. I've watched some of the others as well. And uh, you're right. Like the series, the franchise has evolved the way they interact with characters. I feel like at its heart, it's still a procedural, but you're right. And there are arcs in SVU. Right. She, more than any character in, in, in the franchise, we've watched her evolution. She started as, I don't know what her, her rank would have been, but she was just like, what's she that? Was, she, was junior, she was junior detective to state mm-hmm. first gets introduced. Right. He is the senior partner. She is the junior partner. And she now outranks him. She's now a captain. Yeah, she's a captain. That's a big deal to see all that. And she deals with the headaches of a captain. And her roles in the story aren't the same as they used to be because of that authority now. Yeah, like we're seeing her age and dealing with those things in similar ways. And that's that's an active live franchise. Like that's still going Mm -hmm. and and doesn't really have any sense of ending right now that i'm aware of so that's it's renewed for i think two more seasons already wow it's it's the flagship of that franchise and so i also should note that the chicago franchise is also a spinoff of it chicago or chicago law or there chicago not chicago but i know yeah chicago chicago fire or Mm -hmm. or chicago i don't something like that i don't watch those (laughs) they're also in that universe and so she's the She's played this character up. And so I think it is interesting. I do want to make sure we leave time to, to so, because I want to have this little debate that we were having, because we're talking about this procedural bit. And when, before we even came up with, with Olivia Benson as a character, I said, when we were having trouble coming up with, well, they've abandoned because of sexism, we don't get that happening with female characters as much. And then I immediately realized, but it does. It happens in soap operas. And my first thought was Francis Reed, who played Alice Horton on Days of Our Lives from 1965, basically until she died. In two, she dies in 2010, but she at last regularly appeared on screen in a live role in 2007. She was still under contract, but she was 93 years old. And and so so she was so she plays that role for 42 years. Since then, there have been others that like have progressed past her. I know Deidre Hall is on that and has been on for 41 years, one year shy of how long Alice Horton was on at this point. Susan Seaforth Hayes, who plays Julie Williams, has been on for 44 years now, longer than Alice Horton was. I think that Deidre is interesting because I'm actually something of a Days of Our Lives fan. And uh, uh, I used to, I grew up watching that crazy yeah, show. <laughs> she is still very much the star. Alice mm-hmm. Horton was matriarch of the family she was she was not in in her later years plot lines were not built around her she was just grandma and somebody would go talk to her right Deidre Hall is still the lead character of that show in many ways and 
she's left the show a couple of times. So 44 years, but that's starting in 1976. She's left the show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So 41 years starting in 76 and she's left and, co- and come back. So on screen time, 41. And then I thought of similar ones. Amy Francis, who plays Laura Spencer of Luke and Laura fame on General Hospital. She got that role when she was 15 in 1977 and she's still doing it. She's left a couple of times as well, but just, yeah. she is a regular on that show. Missy Reeves plays Alice Horton's granddaughter on on Days of Her Lives. She very much is another lead actress on the show today, but she started doing she started in 1988 at 18. And so I think there are longstanding I think people shortchange soap operas, but I think mostly they show they shortchange them because they're traditionally women's entertainment and therefore oh, that doesn't count. Of course it counts. In fact, it's more because these people have had Olivia Benson has been on screen once a week for 22 years, as opposed to as opposed to Jennifer Horton, who's been on TV five times a week, 40. I'm see that's actually and I don't dispute that there is a strong parallel or through line with them. But I think my reticence to put soap opera actors in the same category, you act, it's actually the flip side of what you just said. Like, yes, these soap opera actors are on in their media. We experience them much more than these other actors. And that's my thing. Soap operas from the way they are constructed are meant to parallel our real lives, even just our real lives, like the crazy lives we experienced in soap operas. Of course not. But the illusion, part of the illusion is, and the attraction is we are growing old with them. That's the appeal. It's almost like looking at your neighbor next door or across the street or your friend, like you're growing old with them. You, It's why it almost gets in your blood. You can't, when you're hooked on a soap opera or, or, mm-hmm historically because we don't have them the way that we really did in their primacy they're they're mostly gone days of our lives isn't even on right which means i don't watch it regularly anymore so i it's weird because i will give you that in that i call myself a days of our lives fan but i haven't regularly watched it in years because at one point my work schedule became unconducive Mm -hmm. watching it and i was dvring it and i just fell behind to where i wasn't able to follow it but Mm -hmm. But it's, you know what? I'm That's- so much a fan of it that I continue to every few weeks, if it at least once every couple of months, I go through and I read recaps, catch up to mm-hmm. where we are in Salem, and then I'll watch a couple episodes on Peacock just so I can feel like I'm sure. still with it. It's the nature of soap operas mm-hmm. that they're like that. Because yeah, I think if any of us who have at any point watched even one oh. soap opera for any length of time. Mm-hmm. work responsibilities life responsibilities mm-hmm. pulled you away from it but then you could i know this happened with me with days of our lives and my family for years where there were like literally years where i wasn't watching it at all and then i'd be able to fall in and even when there'd be new characters there'd be crazy new situations but you knew you knew what was going on you knew Brady, what those relationships were Brady's, you knew ratings are good errors are bad you can work it out from there exactly you knew and I, that's where some of my reticence with including this in the same as the rest of these characters, yeah, because I, I, with almost all of the rest of them, we didn't have the same expectation of seeing them. Like, I, even with weekly shows, it's a much more tenuous relationship we have with them. It's very unexpected to be able to say, they played that character for 40 years. Like, real? You can't conceive that that show that you love would have a life decades later. I think also with some of this, it's just that, perception if you don't watch the soap operas regularly you're completely unaware of these actors so it doesn't have the same kind of 
pop cultural weight. It does for the people watching it, yeah. but not for the mass audience in the same way. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, w- I was a General Hospital fan. Like, and there's still there are details of those characters and those plots and those family connections that I haven't watched it regularly in years. But yeah, I remember Jeannie Francis when she was 17 years old? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just lost the point I was trying to make with that. Yeah, I'll but, edit it. But, yeah. So there's that, but also I would argue in that sense, soap operas work exactly like comics, which is to say, comic, mm-hmm. books, comic books we expect Spider-Man's narrative to go on forever. Oh right? sure, Batman's narrative to go on forever. The difference is Batman doesn't age the way that the Hortons do on Days of Our mm-hmm. Lives. Yeah, on soap operas they just get replaced by the next generation. They get the, the yeah, but and, also in soap operas. They but, play fast and loose with age. Oh, yeah, I think that also goes, that to me goes against the grain of what the conversation is here mm-hmm. is being built off of, which is media that is really acknowledging the aging of characters. Mm-hmm. There comes a point with most actors, and I'll, we'll stick with soap operas right now, there comes a point beyond which makeup and wigs and whatever will not hide the fact that, okay, mm-hmm. this, Eric, this actor is no longer this mm-hmm. age anymore. You have to just acknowledge yeah. it. But they do hide it a lot. And they hide it and they skip. So Hope Williams Brady, mm-hmm. Hope Williams slash Hope Brady, most, mostly known as Hope Brady, is born in, she's the same age as I am. She's born in 1974. The character is born on screen in 1974. Really? Because I seem like I remember that character being born. You don't because that's what, <laughs> <laughs> because here's what's crazy about it. So the character is born in 74. The character gets married in 1983. Yeah. She's super rapidly aged. (laughs) One of the earliest episodes I watched of General Hospital was Mm -hmm. the character of Monica Quartermain, who you mentioned before we started recording, is one of the people who has been on soap operas the longest. I forget the actress's name. But one of the first episodes I watched, she was giving birth to her son, JR, in a snowstorm, and it was being delivered by a romantic rival. And 10 years later, JR is 18, 20 years old. Monica Quartermain has been on for 45 years, starting in 1977, still played by Leslie Charles. Yeah. So this would have been around 1979 when I think the character's name was JR. He was Alan Quartermain Jr. Mm -hmm. I think they called him him JR. Yes, her husband's name was Alan Quartermain. No relation to the Mm -hmm. H. Ryder Haggard character we talked about on the Indiana Jones show. But, but yeah, but that's another case of that age kind of thing, because he, he was born on the show the same year that my, my niece was born. And Ten years later, he was 20, and oddly enough, my niece was 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those weird things that have soap operas. But I'd also, I would argue, convention of the genre, because they're trying to, like, Hope Williams Brady ages because they want the character to be a romantic partner to... Bo Brady, who was already on the show as well. Mm-hmm. So she was Hope Williams. He was Bo Brady. So they changed actors and they did the same thing. They did. They've done that regularly with soap opera actors. But since that time, Hope Williams has been played on and off by Kristen Alfonso since 1983 for 40 years now. Like she's left the show a couple times, but she's currently on the show. And I think for me, you're playing within those genre conventions. And another way of looking at it is those things are like the characters on soap operas are invisible to anybody who's not a soap opera fan. But Mm -hmm. the Brady Horton relationship and family clans are so intrinsic to someone who is a Days fan. And mm-hmm. the 
Demiras as the Stefano Demira and the Demira clan as bad guys are so intrinsic. It reminds me very much of the way that if I try to talk about Days of Our Lives to a non-fan, they give me the same look that I get if I try to talk about <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes. Titans works to a nun or, right. or, some, or new minutes or it is very much the exact same thing as comics because comics that have sure. become big names, sure. MCU franchises feel bigger than like we you talked about like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Let me tell you, let me tell you the story of Charlie 27 kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not actually in those films. He actually is, if you know which yeah, character. Right. So like those things, I think there's a specialized knowledge. And I think that it even goes so far as Marcel and I are both and consider ourselves days of our lives fans. Mm-hmm. I don't that doesn't what, go away. And I don't know what the fuck Wayne's talking about with this general hospital. <laughs> yeah, and that was the point I was trying to make earlier when I got yeah. lost is I can talk about stuff from general hospital from 1982 and remember all this stuff. I, other than, I know the name's Bo and Hope. Other than that. I know Luke and Laura. I know their wedding's important because yeah. of the, the but yeah. like, it's not, I, I know Patch came over to general hospital oh, at one yeah. point yeah. and played one of the Cassadines is one of the big bads on there. <laughs> I yeah. want my whole solo episode of Vox Popcast where I can just talk about Steven Nichols's patch. I was obsessed with that character <laughs> and that actor. Well, and who, was the, who was the girlfriend on the show? His Patch and Kayla. Patch and oh, Kayla. Yeah. And they both came to general hospital <laughs> and they made them a couple on general hospital as and different the, characters, as different characters. And I did check it out when they left and were both on general hospital. There were times where I'd go check it out. And just because people were like, you have to see them. And it's wow, Mary Beth Evans and Steven Nichols are over on General yeah, Hospital. Stephen Cassadine and Catherine Bell, I believe. Okay. And they are, <laughs> but they, and then they are occasionally, as I understand it, making joke references to their past lives as huh. yeah. <laughs> Which I love. That's the kind of, but I think that's where this all fits in, right? Because the interesting part of, also, there are actors who want to continue working, but there's something interesting about the two of them being on General Hospital and making references to their lives as Steve and Kayla because of the aging with these characters relationship that we as viewers have. It's exactly the same way as, okay, Sean Connery. Sean Connery only plays James Bond in the primary universe of Bond films for, I believe, 10 years. I want to say it's seven movies over 10 years in the primary continuity, including breaking for Lazenby to do one. See, Bond, his first movie, Connery's first movie is 62, and his last movie is 71, and he took a break for Her Majesty's Secret Service. He does one, two, three, four, five, six movies in 10 years, not seven because her Majesty's Secret Service is Lazenby's, and then he gets to come back and do Never Say Never Again in 83. And that's, if you're a Bond fan, you know these things, and you're probably yelling at me when I got the one wrong. Like, he's, so, Never Say Never Again is Bond, and if you're a Connery purist, you put him in that world, right? But what really matters is, to you as a Connery fan, is if who Sean Connery as James Bond is, and then decades later, you go and you watch The Rock. He is playing James Bond in The Rock. They never say that on screen, but it is very clear throughout the course of the movie. And that is 1996. 
his character's name is Mason, John Mason. But but it is there's enough Easter eggs in that storyline for you to think that this is an alias for an aged out James Bond. That is what happened to his character afterwards. And I think that you are intended to build that in your mind as you watch the movie. If you don't know, The Rock is still a really good movie. But if I think that adds to it and that relies on our association with the character and our having grown up watching Sean Connery be James Bond and get older, even though it's not officially in the same franchise, in the same way as Unforgiven is one standalone movie. Right. But he's the same guy from all the other Clint Eastwood movies. Right. <laughs> not right. the same guy, but he is. But he is, right, yeah. Anything to shoot us as with, with, John, with uh, Wayne. John Wayne. Yeah, and we've already gone on too long. We should probably be wrapping this up shortly, but I, so not to go too far afield, but the thought I've had in the last couple of days, bringing in my other hobby, as I am wanting to do, is music. We have Alice Cooper's out there someplace right now performing I'm 18. And 147 <laughs> years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we have, you know, there, there are these people, and there are quite a few big-name stars from the 60s, 70s who are still touring still incredibly active and mm -hmm. still alice cooper isn't filling stadiums the way he did in 1974 no. but he's toured non-stop pretty much since 1986 See, there, mm -hmm. there was a break in the early 80s but and i just use him as an example but like the who is touring the eagles are coming to pittsburgh with the eighth. next last tour yeah their eighth their eighth final tour you, the, the eagles you, and i believe the stones are both on tour right now with their going away forever tours yeah for the rod, fifth time rod stork's coming to town later this summer and how so is it, rod stewart alive if you'd asked me to guess i totally would have said no he has to be dead yeah no no <laughs> and he's been doing this since the mid-60s so i think there's something similar there there's you know, as a fan of these bands I have watched them. I've seen some of them live over the course. I saw a cheap trick in 1980. I saw a cheap trick in, in 2016. I'm going to see them open for Rod Stewart next month. <laughs> I've seen these doing a lot of the same songs. Like I'm pretty sure I will hear them do surrender. Like I've done every time I've seen them for the last 43 years. So there, I think there's something similar going on there. I think that maybe is another topic, another show, but there is that watching these artists age and I remember interviews, uh, Ray Slick on Jefferson Airplane sometime in the 90s. They're talking about a reunion tour, and she just, I'm an old woman. Nobody wants to see that. And she was just completely resistant to going on stage and saying stuff that was meaningful to her when she was 20. She mm -hmm. said she'd feel ridiculous. Robert Plant said something similar. Just going up like a Led Zeppelin reunion tour, just because I just feel silly up there strutting about and singing the same songs that I did when I was 22 years old. It just it doesn't seem right. Meantime, Mick Jagger's singing Satisfaction. And like I said, Alice is singing I'm 18 mm -hmm. and seem to be fine with it. And because it's part of that's what the fans want. But there, I think there's something very definite about that. Well, I am aging with these people that I've been listening to since I was a child, some of them. And I listen to new stuff too. I'm always loving finding new bands and seeing that stuff. But there's something interesting seeing how these performers, how their art progresses or doesn't progress. So just you saying what you were just talking about, it, it makes me realize there's one franchise that because none of us are really fans, it didn't, uh, though there's a connection when you realize mm -hmm. it, it didn't come up, but a franchise that this, where this matters in is Power Rangers. Yeah. Power Rangers has been, now Power Rangers is weird because the cast ages out mostly mm -hmm. on, over, over and over again. 
and but like power rangers start that, in, that, in, that, that, that the menudo of superheroes yeah it starts in 90 <laughs> it starts in 93 they're still making it they just made a reunion movie that uses several of the characters from the original cast now over the course of power rangers the character tommy oliver played by jason david frank recurs constantly for the first he goes from being a teenager to being like a teacher over the course of several seasons. Uh, similarly, I'll just also, I don't know much about the show, but the show Degrassi has this as well, where the, mm. where characters age and they become parents eventually having been teenagers. Well, Tommy Oliver goes on to become a staple of the franchise. He died recently, so he's not in this reunion movie that they just made for Netflix. However, several of the other originals were, and I know that one of the people who weren't were was amy joe johnson who plays kimberly or who played yeah, the, the original ranger, ranger. Yeah. and i remember her making like, a statement in the press like because people were like you know how fans are people mm -hmm. fans become possessive and they they wanted her back because they feel as though they own her and how dare you not show up on this thing in this movie that you want to do, you just were holding out for more money, blah, 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 blah. And she eventually said, no, I'm not holding up for more money. I don't want to do it. I have personal reasons that I, she's like, I don't want to do it. She had remained friends with Jason who played Tommy. She's like, he wouldn't have done it either. We have personal reasons. We risked, wish, we wish the cast the best and they are still friends of mine. But for starters, understand that I'm a 50 year old woman now and I don't want to stand around <laughs> with spandex. And, right. that, and that was, and that's what it came down to. She was just yeah. like, I don't want She's like, I did this as a, this was my job when I was a teenager. And I understand. 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I understand why it's special to you, but it's not, she's like, I'm not at this place in my life anymore. And I can't. And, and I was like, I, and I, I think that, And I think that's another part of this whole thing is because of the nature of film, people get locked into ages. Like we all still know what Mark Hamill looked like when he was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that, that image of Luke. And even though he has grown in real life, and become an old man and i mean he's maybe they're not good examples that are because they've never completely gone away we've seen mark campbell and harrison ford in various things over the years but mm -hmm. the character is locked into that on our indiana jones episode hannah was talking about going to see skull when she was 12 or whatever and i'm mm -hmm. sorry if i'm misquoting hannah that experience of you're seeing this character when you're a certain age it, it is different it's a different experience when you are aging with them they are constantly locked into our brain as being whatever is the word when we first saw them. And when we see them age, it can be jarring, particularly if we haven't seen them for a long time. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I remember Picard in Next Generation. He felt, and some of it just, you know, he was bald, he, his hair was gray, grayish. He felt older to me than any of the cast of the original Trek. felt like an elder statesman. Mm -hmm. So even for me, who was older, he felt like an older character. And... 35 years later, you watch Picard and, oh, he's an old man. He's, I mean, there's, you can hear it in his voice. You can see mm -hmm. it in the way he moves. And you go back and watch Next Generation now. It's like, oh, he wasn't very old at all. <laughs> and it's, worth, it's worth noting in Picard's case, like the actor was in his 40s. Mm -hmm. The character was in his 60s. Yeah. yeah. Right. They, they said, I think it did come up. So we're starting at a later point in which now, again, we're all living longer. Mm -hmm. actor in their 40s now isn't as really big a thing the fact that he was bald back then too that that made that stand it made, out made him feel older yeah mm -hmm. absolutely and the other another thing i wanted to point out like a, with a lot of these things that are getting referenced even some of the names that are popping up on our list that we're populating here 
I think that, but the thing that kicked off this discussion and what I see still as the driving core of it is because is we still remembering there is a difference between just longevity in a role mm. versus longevity of a character by a single person. It, it's one thing to say, okay, this actor or actress portrayed this character for X amount of years, but we, we're also talking about something very specific. And for the most part, this business of seeing so many lions in winter, you mm. know, that's very mm. different because you could have an actor who's played a character for 20, 25 years, but if they're 50 years old, a lot of our fictions and a lot of our narratives revolve around, still revolve around. Tom Cruise is in his, is Tom Cruise is 62 years old. Yes. And we don't think of him in that same way. And his Ethan Hunt character has been around for a long time now, like 20 right. years. Mm -hmm. But we don't think of Ethan Hunt in that same way. We didn't even put him on our list. We so yeah. little so that you mentioned him just now, but he's not like when we put together the list for research, we didn't even come up with him. Uh -huh. So we have, and I'm just looking at the bottom of the list, we have Vin Diesel, who's been playing Dominic Toretto for 22 years since 2001. We have, I don't think he counts, though, because well, exactly what I'm talking about, right. because he's still young. It's because he's writing himself that way. There's, but if you no, think about think film, about it, how old is he? He's like our age. He's not yeah, what old. I would describe as a lion <laughs> in winter type character. He's mm -hmm. still... And, and to say what struck me as the driving force of this was dealing with issues of aging he's still that character still being written and acting in the same action right. hero way he always has vin diesel or, thinks he's 25 right and, <laughs> and and as does tom cruise and they're still doing those action roles and whatever but so much of what drove this to me what made me notice this was them these characters actively dealing with what it means to age what it means to be mm -hmm. older some of that is physical infirmities that come up as i keep saying my back hurts or whatever but it's also say those things like regret your life didn't necessarily turn out the way you wanted it to mm -hmm. oh i made mistakes and some of those mistakes are coming back to bite me in the ass um, so does it matter is it physical age because like you're talking about for picard mm -hmm. right how old is patrick stewart in real years like the actor the person patrick stewart not not the character of picard he he's 80 I think so. He was in his 40s yeah. when Next Generation debuted. So. Okay. So where I'm thinking of the characters of Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield in the No Way Home movie where they're all there. Mm -hmm. They have a conversation about what it's like to have a bad back. It's yeah, the best part right. of the movie. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, oh, you have a bad back thing that me, I've got a back thing going on, too. And it's just it's just. These are two old guys who are 30 and 40 something. And I was like, yeah, I get it. And it's just like, this is the, and this is, they're not even being Peter Parker for that moment. Mm -hmm. It's just Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield complaining that, oh, oh it's not that. So I, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of that lets you relate to older mm. characters. Another, the one that I think we talked about her briefly, but Linda Hamilton in all the Terminator movies she's done. I think because we, much like Harrison Ford, we check in with her periodically as opposed to a soap opera actor like like Francis Reed, who we saw get older week to, day by day, week to week or, or SVU. Uh, Sarah Connor, even between her first and second Terminator movies, there's how long is it? It's 12 years or something like that. It's 84 and 93. So there's nine years. Is that right? I think you're right. And, that's and then we see her again in we see her again in 2019. So 
you get to see her making these jumps. And every time you see her, she's a different character. Even in her case, where she is, she is an old lady who can kick your ass. And you're seeing, oh, this is what this character has become. This is what 35 years of bitterness and looking over your shoulder and living this paramilitary life. This is what that does to you. So it's mm-hmm. a, so unlike uh, unlike an Indiana Jones, who I'm too old for this shit. It's a I'm old and I'm still going to kick your ass. And I yeah. think that's still a story. And I think that mm-hmm. I think there's a way to relate to that in a oh my god, what would I become if I don't mm-hmm. let go? Sure. And, and I think that's what makes that not that anybody loved that last Terminator movie, but I well, think yeah. what makes it work is this is what you would be. Jamie Lee well, Curtis in the Halloween later Halloween movie, yeah, same thing, and with characters when they first appear younger characters it's very much about the promise of what that character will become mm-hmm. if you it, when you see them as an old character it's very much this what is what wrong. i've become <laughs> yeah what went wrong this yeah. is what i actually became one is all about that looking toward the future and one is about the consequences of the past and that's just a natural thing of aging mm-hmm. not to get cliche it's not like people in their 60s have nothing to look forward to or any of that stuff but <laughs> says as he's in his I, early 60s yeah, as I, I say <laughs> But there is. I noticed my 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 own self in terms of aging or whatnot. That looking back on things in my past, and not that I have a whole lot of regrets in my life, really. Mm-hmm. There is that awareness of things that could have been different, or things that I wanted to do and never accomplished, and whatever. And those are things you don't think of quite as much when you're 25, because there's still I still have time to do that. And given my family genetics, I could probably still have time to do that. But you're they, 18 uh, for a moment yeah, yeah. in between 10 and 20 and I, yeah. <laughs> i'm 18 and i like it <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it but i'm certainly aware of that phenomenon myself and maybe that's why this stuff is speaking to me i i'm mm-hmm. aware of how that has happened in my own life of you look back on those things and you're not necessarily where you thought you would be or with the people you thought you would be with and just because life has its own agenda and that's a very different story than the story of a young hero leaves the world he has known to go out to fight the Dark Lord. Yeah, the, yeah. The old man's journey. And I do think it's a different journey, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's the, if you are going to be all Campbellian, it's the way back. It's the journey. It's yeah, part exactly. Of the, part of the hero's journey. But yeah, but you're right. It's the journey back. Yep. So we've resolved so, nothing. So we've resolved nothing. We've gone through. <laughs> we, we, we resolved nothing. Joseph Campbell didn't resolve in 1944. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've gone through decades. We've, we've gone through. We've resolved that Patrick Stewart is 83 years old. Okay. <laughs> and, wow, it's so weird too. Just he is supposed to look old in that first one. So how old is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be 40 something? So is he? So is that character supposed to be 100 and something? Yeah. Yeah, actually. I, in, in one of the episodes, they gave his age. They mentioned it. I don't know what it was, but it was okay. 100 and something. Picard's about 15 to 20 years older than Stewart is in real life. So. Okay. Yeah. And he, in his no longer final, because he's in the horrible Doctor Strange movie, Don't At Me. But in Logan, that character is supposed to be 100 years as, as Professor X. So Patrick Stewart's really good at playing an old man is what it comes down to. <laughs> he is. He's, he's good at playing an old man. And he's, uh, I, his two most famous roles at this point are Picard and Xavier. And I think they're both notable old guys, mm-hmm. at least the way he plays them. Yeah. That's kind of badass. Yeah. yeah. And Linda Hamilton, I'd say also, <laughs> I just like, because not, I, I'm just, the more I think about it, of everybody that we've mentioned, she's probably the one that I'd be most scared of. <laughs> <laughs> Laurie Strode is pretty badass, and she's not the warrior that Sarah Connor is, but she's a scary old lady. She's a scary old lady, 
it's weird because it just righteously paranoid. <laughs> we didn't. We mentioned Laurie Strode, but Schwarzenegger's done that character. Yes, I get that they're technically a different character because it's yeah. a robot, but it's essentially the same character, and he's played it literally exactly as long as Melinda Hamilton has by yeah. definition because they're in the same first movie in the same. And yeah. he's shown up more often, but but I guess also him. But he's weird in that for the first several, they tried to fake it like he wasn't aging. Mm-hmm. And now he so very clearly he has. Can't, but, can't fake it anymore. Yeah, but, which is something you brought up earlier. But but yeah, just, just wanted to make sure. Did we hit everybody who was on your list, uh, Marcel? We had Spock. We had Laurie Strode, Indiana mm. Jones. Shout outs to Sigourney Weaver as Ripley because yeah. she did that for a good bit. And mm-hmm. we did see character development and growth. So she had an arc. Oh, I think we got everybody. I, the, just for a comedy one, I pointed out Frazier Crane, who mm-hmm. first appears on Cheers in 1983, last appears on Frasier in 2004. So far, the mm-hmm. like they are currently blocked because of the writers and actors strikes, mm-hmm. but they are currently in pre-production on a reboot of the Frasier series. So he will probably yeah. still but- be coming back, which will jump which will best case scenario it's on the air next year probably not probably two years that's just going to automatically add 20 years to his tenure as we uh, we have the characters from that 70s show who are now appearing on that 90s show mm-hmm. which again uh, underrated show everyone should watch that <laughs> i think yeah. that might be coming up later this year when we do our things you missed episode because i don't mm-hmm. know that we're going to do it but i very much enjoyed that yeah so yeah i think i'm out there Old people still deserve roles. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put us out to pasture yet. (laughs) I saw, just in closing, I saw a meme the other night. I don't even know if it counts as a meme. It was just like, you know, sometimes on Facebook stuff, just you're not subscribed to it, but they're just like suggested for you. And I don't know why, because there's no reason why it would, but like it was suggested to you, the 90210 fan page. And it was just like, a couple of days ago, as we record, apparently was Brian Austin Green, who played David Silver on 90210. Hmm. Apparently, it was his birthday. So it was like, happy birthday to Brian Austin Green. Happy 50th birthday. And I'm like, how the fuck is Brian Austin Green 50 years old? That doesn't make any sense. He can't be 50. And then I realized, because, dumbass, he's your age. He's year older than you are. So you grew, you're not a teenager anymore either. You grew up. And guess what? So yeah, did he. <laughs> Mom, Molly Ringwald being the mom on Riverdale. Yeah. 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 Same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, which is so weird because in my head, Molly Ringwald is forever turning 16. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's how are you old enough to be the mother of a grown up, in fact? Yeah. <laughs> no, she's not really, even a yeah. young mom. She's the mother of a grown ass man. Yeah, man. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, best show on television. All right, yeah. <laughs> <We should> have <laughs> Hannah's, Hannah's not here to stop me, and we're running out of episodes of Riverdale. Last season, we're running out of episodes. It has nothing to do with what we talked about today, but just I no. wanted to get that out. It's the best show on the television, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's been on for 147 years. Those people are old, something now. like that. Yeah. And I, I think you guys both tapped out. You're not watching the show anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. the most recent season. They've gone back into the past, so they're all in high school again. And they are so clearly not not high school. <laughs> <as Christ-aged. laughs> it is amazing, and they just un- they're all unironically playing sixteen, and they're <laughs> so clearly in their thirties. It is such a we, we go back to our twenty something teen episode. It is so much that it is it is just very weird. Anyway, <laughs> Marcel, <laughs> anything you want to promote? So as always, I am the 
lead artist, project manager of the comic book, It's Pal Superheroes of the Holocaust, a four-issue series that has been produced by the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh. And if there are any educators out there, especially educators in for, with, of middle school students, it, you should check this out. So, you know, go out there, find us, org or anything related to the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh. That's my little pride and joy right now. And Wayne. I'm just going to piggyback on that. I never promote anything, but I'm the lead writer on that project. So everything Marcel just said. <laughs> you could say it every week. It's like a thing that doesn't It's true. It's true. It, I could. It's not like it goes away. <laughs> I need to start adding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. Can yeah, I be like a guest ahead. person with podcast? So when I come on next time, you have recurring guest stars on shows. Can I be like that? Yeah, aren't you? <laughs> like you've, you're up there. It's weird because I think because you're Wayne's girlfriend. Because <laughs> I was going to say, the people who are the most frequent guests are you, my wife, and Hannah's boyfriend. So the, the, probably, the people. Probably, yeah, probably closely followed by Nicole Chemers and Anna. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. who. John, Durant, and John. Like, yeah. yeah. People we can grab real quick. <laughs> hey, you're busy Saturday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I haven't uh, wanted to see, but yeah, certainly yeah. up there with our most frequent. Cast. Yeah, you're definitely recurring, recurring cast. <laughs> nice, nice. That definitely <laughs> is no country for old men. That's what's up. <laughs> anyway, as always, you can follow me on whatever social media exists as this episode drops, which is again, this episode will be out on Monday, which is two days from now as we record. And I don't know, does Twitter still exist? Maybe. Okay. If it does, I probably tweeted on it recently. And Instagram and Facebook. Those two, I'm pretty sure. But also, I've been trying to make threads happen. And Blue Sky, not Mastodon. I'm sorry. I just, I forget Mastodon. I'm sorry, people. I cannot. It's really hard to be on every social media. So I'm trying, but I'm probably on a social media near you at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show most of those places. Actually, I don't even know if it's most of those places anymore because there's so many social media. And like somewhere will be Vox Popcast. Right now we're Vox Popcast on Twitter and on Facebook. No longer Instagram because they hate us. But like whenever the world settles down, decides what the new Twitter is going to be, I'm sure we'll create something there. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com. Please do that. We have a couple of exciting shows coming up that like I really want people's feedback on. As we record, we are planning shows on the Writers and Screen Actors Guild strike that are happening in Hollywood right now. We are planning a show probably talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. We got a lot of stuff coming up that like, I want people's feedback on. So certainly, please check out our blog. And you can also leave us comments on how what you thought about this show, this episode, or any other episode. You can give us suggestions for future shows that we should do. You can pitch yourself as a guest or just tell us what you're thinking. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or I want to say Stitcher, but Stitcher's going away as well. iTunes or Spotify or let's say Podchaser. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever podcatcher that you use, wherever the hell you get podcasts from. Subscribe to us on those things. Google Podcasts, they have us. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Bought Form Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and clean out. I'd once again like to thank Marcel for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye.